0: Welcome to the Dignity of Women, where we dig deep into the vocation and dignity of women in the church, in modern times, and as an answer to the call for a new evangelization. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Joining me today is Kevin and Mary O'Neill. The O'Neills are a Catholic homeschool family with seven children. Mary is a stay at home mom with a degree in elementary education. Kevin runs the family landscaping company, which has given him ample time to listen to Catholic audio and to read on the off-season. As a result, Kevin now considers himself a product of the new evangelization. Their idea for the Lego Catechism was born when their kids brought a popular children's Bible to their attention, and upon realizing it was blasphemous, Kevin and Mary knew that they were being called to create a catechism on the seven sacraments utilizing theology of covenant and typology to teach the truth of the Catholic faith. The O'Neill's Catechism of the Seven Sacraments is the first book in a series. It uses typology to explain the necessity of the sacraments in our relationship with Christ and His one holy Catholic and apostolic Church. The books are published through Storytel Press, a private nonprofit foundation on a mission to inspire people to restore the sacred. Kevin and Mary are new to the world of publishing, and the Catechism of the Seven Sacraments is their first book. Thank you so much for joining me, Kevin and Mary.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: So what I want to start with is uh, basically the obvious first question, the genesis of the Lego Catechism. How did you go from seeing a bad children's Bible to Legos and sacraments?
1: Well, we had what was called the brick Bible and the kids, uh, we thought it was great. We, We had something that we thought as parents, we had something that in the world of theology was finally pulling the kids towards it, as opposed to us as parents constantly pushing our children towards theology. But, All of a sudden, you know, they started asking weird questions. And I get it that it was Old Testament, but these were very, very out of nowhere. And we would, and then I would look at it, enjoying Catholic apologetics. And I was, well, that did happen, but not like that. And I would have to explain it. And then several more questions came up, and Mary decided to dig a little bit deeper. And found that that book is actually written by an atheist. And so it is blasphemous, blasphemous, manipulative. And we, at that point, took it away from the kids. Well, that left a little bit of a void for them because they really liked that technique. And so what I did was I, I said uh, to my son, who continued to kind of bother me about it, like, can, can I just look at a few pictures? Finally, one day I told him, I'll tell you what, we're going to make one. And that's what we did, and we decided to do it on the the sacraments and all of the biblical basis of the sacraments from the Old Testament to the New Testament, teaching them typology to really get things uh, to drum it into the long-term memory. That's what's really important as parents. We can tell them all we want, but there's a difference between telling and teaching, and we're really taking a teaching approach at this.
0: Right, and I think— Picking that up as a family, something to do together like that, I'm sure that will stick with them certainly forever. And having to create these images and these scenes from biblical history is definitely something that is going to be burned into their memory. Um, and as far as the, the heretical one that you had talked about, you said that that one was actually created by an atheist? That's That's right. Yes. Wow. So I wonder what was the point for an atheist to create a Bible? Was it just a revenue or?
2: In his introduction, he said that he wanted to give a new spin on the Old Testament. So basically, you know, there's a there's just this draw to probably drawing people away from God the way that he was drawn away from God. And uh, and of course, to reach the smallest children and manipulate them before they can have the foundation of faith.
1: Yeah. And for example, you know, I remember one emphasis being put on, of course, God had, you know, killed the firstborn children of Egypt. But what is really forgotten and overlooked is, and I had to explain this to my children. I said, look, there were 10 plagues. I mean, there the river turned into blood. You had frogs, locusts. I think after the frogs fell from the sky, I would have said, okay, you're good to go. But this is like counting. Uh, This is like watching parents count one, one and three quarters, two, two and a half Mm -hmm. before the child gets into trouble. And it really took all of that out of context and left the child with manipulated thoughts on the Old Testament. And that's where we, we stepped in and did not appreciate the deception.
0: And so then what made you decide that we're going to do this in Legos as opposed to any other medium like a comic book or, or just, you know, um, illustrated children's book illustration? What made you decide that it would be, you know, a good way to go in the Lego format?
1: To be completely honest, I just said it out loud. We were in the backyard and I remember uh, we were outside, beautiful sunny day playing. The kids were playing. And then Liam, one of uh, one of our sons, came on up to me and, and started talking about that book again out of the blue, which was very strange. We're outside playing a million other things to do. And all of a sudden, he's talking about that one. And that's when I looked at him. I said, I'll tell you what, we'll make one. And I thought, hey, that's a great idea. Let's make one. So I, I said it out loud before I actually thought it, to be completely honest. <laughs>
2: and really, Lego gives the perfect platform Kevin always says that the um, that Lego basically corners the market for all kids, for all different, um, all, all the different things that they're interested in. If you mm-hmm. like star Wars, there's a Lego for that. If you like Barbie, there's a Lego for that. If you like um, you know, the newest movie, there's a Lego for that. And so it kind of corners the market for across girls and boys and it it's something that they're continuously interested in from the smallest ones all the way up. There are adults that like Legos still. So um, it's something that definitely has the creative platform to allow for everyone to um, continuously be engaged.
0: Right. And we actually have the Father Father Leopold Leopold. mask, the Lego um, kit. So that has been a big hit in our house as well. And um, I wanted to ask, in his 1990 encyclical, Redemptoris Missio, Pope John Paul II invited the church to again renew her missionary commitment. This universal mission to renew faith and Christian life has become known as the new evangelization. How are the two of you missionaries to the Christians and non-Christians right here in our own home country?
1: Well... I would say thanks to the new evangelization, I've learned the faith in a way that might not have been possible 20 to 25 years ago. Since learning the faith, and when you understand and know something so beautiful— It's just you want to tell people about it. You want to teach people about it. And uh, I found myself quite often hijacking people's time to tell them about the faith. This book just kind of allows us to do it in a much more organic way. Uh, And so I think really, to be completely honest, that's, that's about it. The faith is just so beautiful. You want to share it. And I've never had a real strategy in it before until now which i, I we kind of blindly fell upon.
2: <laughs> well, and you're always you're always called to give a witness for the faith that is within you. And so i think that that's important that you know we're constantly expressing The Truths of the Faith, that we pass on that deposit of faith to our children. And this book, it really enables families to be able to pass on that deposit of faith because it makes all of the profound truths of our faith, which are the our faith is based on the sacraments. It's how we have a relationship with Christ. And so in order to um, make it very accessible for families and understandable for children, especially, but even for the parents, if they were never properly catechized, they can learn from the truths in this book and so it makes the faith very accessible and it just helps us to constantly bring that to everyone that we that we yeah
1: and and just because certain things are profound doesn't mean that it's complicated and so to take typology and the first vatican council said to two main ways to transmit the faith are through miracles and through biblical typology. And so we've we've incorporated a lot of biblical typology in here so that people can see that Catholicism is the flower on top of the stem that is Judaism.
0: Right. And I love the fact that you guys are kind of leading the way for other lay people to be able to do these kind of things to take it into their own hands and like you said to your child it was inspired by your own children to say hey let's do this ourselves you know we don't need to wait for someone else we don't need to be biblical theologians to be able to do this we can work with other people to help us get things right but you know we're open to the call of the holy spirit to do something like this in our own lives and that was really the source of the new evangelization for John Paul II to call, he said um, that we sh- we needed to dedicate all of the church's energy to proclaiming Christ to all people, and that it took a special courage to proclaim Christ to those among us who have already heard Him, um, and that's perhaps our greatest modern challenge as Christians: that a lot of the people in our country. Have heard in some way or another, Christ proclaimed. Whether it's been through bad catechesis or a misunderstanding or whatever it is that they have just grown lukewarm or they're uninterested or maybe they weren't raised to, um, you know, make Christ central. So, how are you re-evangelizing those Catholic Catholics through this creative and youthful approach? And what has been the response that you guys have seen? Um, either from people, you know, children that you've seen or, or even adults, the feedback that you've gotten about how it's helped their faith?
1: Yeah, we, you know, I think one of the great things about teaching typology, again, is that it imparts it into the long-term memory. And so it gives parents that authority to be able to impart the faith into their child, as well as it makes it easier and more accessible for the child To learn the faith. And so both the parent and the child can learn side by side. And when we take these simple truths of the faith, like, I mean, for example, on one of the pages, we show quite simply how sin comes into the world the same way that it leaves. And so we show sin comes into the world. God walks with man. We see him in a garden, the Garden of Eden. We see a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, at a tree. They take the fruit from the tree, they eat it, and sin and death enter in. Well, sin leaves the world the same way. Jesus, who is God, walks with man. We see him in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. We see a man and a woman, Jesus and Mary, at a tree at the cross. But this time, the fruit is put back on the tree. And that's scriptural. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And we're supposed to eat from the fruit of that tree which is the Eucharist taken from the tree of life so that sin and death can leave the world. And when we see these things, and there are even things that are in the pictures that we didn't get to in the book, not in this book anyway, but uh, you know, when, when sin came into the world and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God cursed the ground with thorns. When Christ left the Garden of Gethsemane, he took that curse and crowned himself with it. When they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the angel was stationed with, a, and the fiery sword was drawn. Christ, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, tells Peter to sheath your sword. So when, when you can take these things... Just, again, because they're, they're um, profound doesn't mean they're difficult. And you can just take the dots that have always been there and put them right next to each other. And we get to then look at that and discover the why and the wow at the same time. And it becomes so much more powerful as Catholics because we get to read the Bible in 3D. And it's a real gift that, that we have uh, from the Eucharist to Our Lady after we explain the Eucharist as the covenant, we explain Our Lady as the Ark as well as the New Eve. But, you know, the Ark and the Covenant are inseparable. No Ark, no Covenant, no Covenant, no Ark. And so I can go on and on just with the beauty of the faith. And uh, the faith is the best teacher of itself. So the great thing about this book is that very little of it is my opinion or input. It is just the faith being presented.
0: Yeah. I guess that kind of took some of the creative pressure off, right? you already had this worked out for you for over 2000 years. so
1: Exactly. It does. I always joke and I always say, I don't know. I don't see the big deal here. The entire book's plagiarized.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and then the beautiful thing in speaking about orthodoxy and the book is very simple. You know, there's just sometimes just one sentence in with an image or, you know, just two or three sentences. It's very simple. It's very easy. Um, and a lot of it is visual. Um, and I have to admit when I first came across the book, I was intrigued, but also wary as someone who has studied theology and seen many well-intentioned modern manifestations of faith. I was concerned of the orthodoxy and, um, and then, of course, when I looked through it, when I started reading, as you've described so beautifully, some of the typology that's within, I was my mind was blown. Um, did you find that you had to make any compromises on the grounds of faith and morals in making a fun product for kids?
1: No, none. In fact, uh, that was one of the reasons we went with Storytel, because they told me that I could have full control over it and as a result of that there was certainly certain things on on that uh, we would go back and forth on but nothing that ever compromised the faith whatsoever or tried to dumb it down. Uh, and so that was that was really a blessing the way the entire thing unfolded.
2: I think that the the beautiful thing here is that the Legos make it so fun and interesting and they have all of these intricate parts and different things that make it very creative that you don't have to be creative in the, in the um, teaching. You don't have to make the teaching fun or, or like make it childlike or anything like that because the kids are going to be engaged because of the Legos, because of the creativity and the, in the interesting um, images and all of that. And so You can just teach the beauty of the faith paired with these beautiful images, and it can just illuminate the faith for them.
0: Right. And I saw that Father Dwight Longnecker um, spoke about the extremes of modern catechetical material between doctrinally sound but uncreative or unattractive, Um, and then on the other hand, attractive material that is doctrinally weak. Yet of your catechism, which he dubs in the category of American entrepreneurial Catholicism, Father remarks that one of the reasons it works so well is not the Lego, but the use of Old Testament typology. And I think that you've told us a little bit about that, and certainly I've seen it myself. Um, Tell us how the theological principles came alive as you were starting to go through it. Did you notice that your children were starting to connect these uh, theological principles as you started to work through the different scenes and as you started to explain it, were there a lot of light bulbs going off?
1: There were, and we still see that to this day with some of the other kids, uh, the younger ones, as they reread it. Certainly, I've always tried to uh, teach the children these things, and you do it while you're on a car ride, or you drum it into them, getting them to learn the typology. Uh, but I'll tell you, there was one time we were we were at a friend's house for Thanksgiving, and we had really just started the project, and we went through the typology between Our Lady and the Old Ark of the Covenant, and uh, we were reading it on their TV screen, and their son was in there, and so some of the typology is, you know, our Our Lady traveled to the hill country of Judea, or the old Ark traveled to the hill country of Judea. Mary traveled to the hill country of Judea. David leapt for joy. John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Well, I'll tell you, we were sitting in mass, and the reading on that Thanksgiving day was uh, the Ark, Our Lady traveling to the hill country of Judea. And so he turns, his son turns and looks at me, and he goes, welcome to the hill country of Judea. Because that was all we could think of for that sign that we put in that scene, Mm -hmm. that little sign that was so, uh, it's kind of quirky, but it says, welcome to the hill country of Judea. (laughs) And so uh, that's, it was great to have him turn around during mass and these children are absolutely reverent military family, but he just, it was coming out of him. And so we, when, when that happened, it certainly brought a lot of joy to me thinking this is effective and we need this as parents.
0: I'm actually on that page right now. That was the page that I had set here to talk about. So I actually have page 71. Welcome to the Hill Country of Judea open right now on the desk. So that's funny that you should mention that one.
1: Right. You know, and it's just just so fun. A lot of times people... Even uh, people who've been Catholics for a long time, they don't understand how Our Lady fits in. And we really go into pretty good detail in the book explaining, after we explain the Eucharist as the covenant, showing then Our Lady as the Ark of the Covenant and showing that, you know, you you can't stand at the crucifixion and not find yourself next to Our Lady. And seeing that, you know, our journey is really no different than the uh, the, the flight out of Egypt when. They were born again, a new nation through the water and the spirit. We're born again through the waters of baptism. They were in the wilderness being led by the priesthood. We are too. They were led into battle with the ark and the covenant. We are led into spiritual warfare with the ark, our lady and the covenant Christ in the Eucharist. And it's all to get to the promised land. And so we, you know, we just take these things and show and make sense of the Old Testament Uh, Again, the why, the how, and the wow all at once.
0: And I think it's a nice touch how you have the, the boy and the girl who are kind of the narrators going through because it makes them very relatable to children of varying ages, you know, to feel like this isn't maybe being preached to them, but it's more a conversation between these two young people who are interested in um, what's going on. I guess the girl's more asking the boy what's going on, and he's explaining in a lot of ways. So I found that a neat um, kind of side concept to bring this to a children's level and to make it more of a teaching tool.
2: Right. In order to have it be more like a catechism, like a traditional catechism, we went with that question and answer question and answer because we know that the you know the baltimore catechism was very effective in teaching and then being paired with these images again just it drills it in in a way that is very relatable to children of today and so having those characters which make it very interesting and and of course you know engage the kids it's it's a great way
1: and their names you yes. have fulton and Cynthia. And Fulton, of course, uh, the name comes from Archbishop, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And then uh, Cynthia is uh, kind of named after a, a personal friend of ours that uh, had converted to the Catholic faith and very much asked these questions as she was converting to the Catholic faith. And so uh, we... Uh, we came up with the idea let's let's use Cynthia both because uh, we liked it and uh it just yeah it fits so that's kind of a little insight into the characters
0: that's a neat way to honor her i'm sure she's very flattered by that <laughs>
1: Yeah, and just a very virtuous young lady, uh, and just very much always wanted to know the answers mm-hmm. to the faith. And when she would, and, and so it is kind of that in a sense of it is question answer, but it also teaches you a little bit about a, an introduction to a dialogue with somebody, teaching them about the Catholic faith and where. We get why we do what we do, where it is in Scripture, which is very important, especially moving on. It'll equip children with some apologetics, uh, and it'll give them a great understanding to read the Scriptures in 3D, that it's not something that we're supposed to just sit on the surface of, but we're supposed to dive into it.
2: And that's something I'm not sure if you've noticed on each page in in the binding there are scripture citations and catechism citations in each of the pages that correlate to the squares as you read through.
0: Yes, that is, that's a wonderful touch as well. So that um, especially as they get older, children can kind of even look into that on their own. They can, you know, become interested in going to scripture, going to the catechism and looking up those, um, you know, verses that are in the corner and maybe do that work on their own. So that could be a a good little incentive instead of just, you know, um, having verses to read or something like that. This can kind of prompt them to maybe want to take that initiative on their own. And um, I also like, especially in the part on reconciliation, obviously you're going through each of the seven sacraments. And I feel like as adults and in our culture, we often want to make things so complicated and um, say that there's so many gray areas, you know, that it's it's hard to define or um, we we want to stay away from simple as much as possible because that could put us in danger of being wrong, I guess you could say, in need of reconciliation. And um, I just love the how simple it is. Here is an example of a venial sin. There's the girl kind of taking a cookie when you know she's probably not supposed to be. And then you have um, mortal where the guy is robbing a bank, you know, and um, but as you referred to the St. Joseph uh, catechism, It is simple. You know, I I remember a lot of the catechism that I can remember from childhood. It was just kind of black and white. You know, it was this is mortal. This is venial. This is heaven. This is hell. You know, here's purgatory that you hope to end up in. But it seemed so simple, you know, and then and faith seemed pretty simple until you got older and you started encountering so many um, personal relationships with other people that challenged you to say well what if x y or z or what if it's this situation or what if there's emotions involved and you know then you start to get confused about all the layers of gray area but it's really refreshing to look back at something like this and say it really is kind of simple in the end
1: it is it's extremely simple uh because sin is real and so sin is what kills us, it's what separates us from God, and the sacraments are what gets rid of sin. In in that chapter there on reconciliation, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, where's confession in the Bible? Well, we show it right in there, and we show that God only breathes on his people two times. The first is when he breathed into Adam's nostril, and then Adam had life. Well, Adam sinned, and we all know what happened from there. Well, Christ comes along, dies on the cross, after the resurrection, then he appears to his disciples, and Jesus, who is God, breathed on them. And he said to them, go and forgive sins. Whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven, retained are retained. So that breath of God now animates us through removal of sin, and we can have life again. And so I came up with a little math problem in there. We try to go left brain, right brain as much as we can to be effective. And we show if sin equals death, then what equals the death of sin? Well, the Bible says baptism gets rid of sin. First Peter chapter three says, you know, baptism now saves you. And then Acts, it tells us it removes us removes sin. So baptism gets rid of sin. The Eucharist gets rid of sin. Christ said, this is for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Confession, the breath of God. So we can kind of conclude that baptism plus the Eucharist plus confession equals no sin. No sin equals life. And that's what we want. We want eternal life. And we just, we really show the church's roadmap to eternal life that is accomplished through the sacraments because of what Christ For us,
0: great. And that image that you have of God breathing life into Adam is just really neat, really vivid, with the, you know, um, just that clear breath coming into him. And Adam's kind of laying on the ground with this smile on his face, you know, coming to life. Um, It's just a neat way to visualize it.
1: And all of these have little stories. We had already taken that picture. We were done with that. And uh, all of a sudden, Mary and I were walking through Walmart, and I stopped. And she goes, what? And I said, we have to redo the Breath of God picture. She said, really, why? And I said, look at this frozen Lego kit. See that piece right there? That's got to be the Breath of God. Okay, I think it was thirty five bucks later for one little piece. Right. <laughs> so and that was right.
0: How much money did you wind up spending on Legos throughout this whole thing?
1: Oh, ignorance is bliss. That's- ignorance <laughs> is bliss. It was it was absolutely absurd, and uh, I, I just I you know let's I let's
2: just say the kids are thrilled. The with kids how are- much we've spent, right, on this, <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess you could always do like uh, maybe some kind of a Christmas scene where you, you know, draw people to your house or something and pay money to see this Lego Christmas scene or something, you (laughs) know, just as a side hobby. Um,
1: with seven children, there are always other scenes going on.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) So in the past, ministry work has been very independent, and spouses have not always had the encouragement to work together, and certainly not to bring the whole family into evangelizing together. So Mary, as a mother of a large family, seven children... How has working on this project with Kevin and the kids brought your faith and your role as mother alive?
2: Well, we really enjoyed working on this project, and we're definitely looking forward to working on future books as well that we've already started and the ones that we have on a list that we can't wait to do. Um, But the great thing really is learning about the faith, doing research, even just small things that go into the pictures, um, various saints that are... um, put into different pictures throughout the book and learning about them and learning about them with your children. The The most important thing in life as spouses, we are to get each other to heaven and to bring children into the world to also bring them to heaven. And so in order to do that, of course, you have to learn about the faith and, and grow together and grow in faith. And this really has been a great way to do that.
1: Yeah. And Mary doesn't get, Enough credit for this because what I did was I wrote the world's longest run-on sentence and she turned it into a book and beyond that the way that the house stayed afloat during the entire project because we are self-employed it was uh, it was a huge undertaking and I mean the way the children responded to it was really a testament of her the way that uh, Mary was just giving so many hours above and beyond to helping to edit the book, all of these other things, the multitasking that she took on was absolutely incredible.
0: And I'm sure she heard more than once, how are you doing this?
2: (laughs) Yes. And I don't think Kevin mentioned that we started the project about six weeks before our seventh child was born. And he said, We're going to write a book. And I said, Wait, we're going to have a baby. <laughs> I'm like, when are we going to write a book? <laughs> we're going to do. This
0: Those first. things are not compatible. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, working with Legos and having an infant are, um, you know, it's, it's a daunting task, but many hands make light work. And our kids definitely all have different um, skills that they brought to the table. So it was really. A godsend for our family. Yeah.
1: And we felt such an urgency and everybody really felt called to do it that it was just, it was interesting because it was one of those tasks that was understood and the kids knew the importance of what we were doing. We knew what we needed to do and it just, it just got done. And when I look back, I have no idea how we really uh, were able to take all of that on. And uh, it just really, it, it was God's grace, his help throughout the project, and uh, and the family dynamic that we have was uh, just unbelievable, really was.
0: Well, God definitely multiplies our time when he wants something done. And I think that what you guys have done here is just such a memorable family experience. It'll definitely be something that you know, certainly solidifies your family in a way that is so unique. And to be part of um, a creative process that is so deeply entrenched in your faith is a beautiful thing. I love the back picture of your family in Legos. I think that that is such a nice touch. And as you said, this book can be found at Storytel, which is S-T-O-R-Y-T-E-L Press. And also, are there other places that we can find this book if somebody would like to purchase this book? Can they find it on Amazon? Can they find it on another website?
2: So, yes. Storytel.org um, and then as well as Amazon and Catholic bookstores are absolutely carrying it. So, check into your local Catholic bookstore. Holy
1: Heroes Catholic Company mm-hmm. also carry it. Mm-hmm. So if you have a specific outlet that you prefer, they are uh, there. And and if your local Catholic gift store does not carry it yet, please ask them to.
0: Wonderful. Great. And you said that this is not the last book from you guys yet. The O'Neill's will be back soon, right?
1: That's right. We started writing the next book, and uh, we hope to start illustrating it in a couple months when landscaping season ends.
0: Great. And that'll be in the same idea of the Legos?
2: Absolutely.
1: It is. It is. And just you know, to, to let you in a little bit on it, I, I, I mentioned how some of those pictures uh, expand upon themselves. And we're going to show Christ and the prophets in the Old Testament. And show how Christ fulfilled what they did, how he is the new Adam, he is the new wise man, the new Solomon, the new Samson, the new strong man. I mean, when Samson was uh, taken prisoner because of his disobedience, he was put between two pillars and with his arms stretched out, prayed that he could rip the temple down on himself and on the enemies of God. Christ is the new strong man, and with his arm stretched out, he ripped the temple in half. And so we're going to show that. We're going to show the new strong man, the new Adam, the new Solomon, the new wise man, the new David, the new king. And we've got a great way to weave it through, and it's going to be fun and teach children, again, biblical typology.
0: All right. Well, I am very excited for that. Thank you for your part in the new evangelization. My guests have been Kevin and Mary O'Neill, and they are the authors of the Catechism of the Seven Sacraments from Storytel Press, which is also known as the Lego Catechism. Thanks so much, both of you. Thank
1: Thank you you for having us.